Having a blind mother can be really hard because you have to do everything for her, like guide her around in public places and help her on the computer. My mom always opens potato chips upside down. See. I don't think my mom can read, but it's okay, I can read. All the time when my mom is walking around, she's always sticking her hands out like this and walking around like a mummy. Like, and then she, she ends up knocking things over and will poking me in the eye. Kind of like, I told her to use oven mitts and put them on her hands like this. See? <laughs> she doesn't poke me in the eyes anymore. I like to sneak up on my mom and when I run away, she can't catch me because she cannot see me. I often have a temptation of trying to play my video games when I'm not supposed to right in front of her face. Uh, I remember one time when um, I went into the kitchen when my mom was cooking and the uh, pan was on fire. But the food was still good though. Once I drank maple syrup straight out of the maple syrup jug. And I got away with it. Sometimes I can make funny faces right in front of my mom's face because she can't see me. Or can she? Dun, dun, dun. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, after we filmed that video, I grounded all of them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. That's what I like to call them. <laughs> but I, I promised Bruno, the, you know, the, the animated one, that um, I would tell you guys that, A, he doesn't sneak video games anymore. He learned his lesson. And B, by the way, his brothers sneak it too. They just were, didn't have the guts to admit it on film. Always got to throw your brothers under the bus. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to share with you today um, three boys. Wow. Um, imagine trying to raise three boys uh, in the dark. Um, I just want to know, how, why did the blind girl get three boys? <laughs> All right? why, why couldn't I have gotten three calm girls that sit around in color? <laughs> uh? I don't know what it is about that X, uh, Y chromosome, but it's like a danger magnet. And, and kind of the joke in my family is that my goal every day as a mom is to keep the boys alive. Eh? Um, <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's really a miracle that they survive through the toddler years in particular because you know, they just don't listen when they're that little. Um, we've had some pretty crazy things. My boys are uh, all different. They have completely different personalities, um, but they all did crazy things. For example, my oldest, Rocco, he rode his tricycle down the stairs <laughs> on purpose. Okay, he just thought he'd try it out one day. And when he went down, he did what we call a full endo, like a, a complete flip, right? He's on the bottom of the stairs looking up at me. And do you know what he says? He says, what happened, Mom? <laughs> Dude, what do you think happened? You just drove your tricycle down the stairs. Oh my goodness, and uh, my middle guy, he was a stealth climber, and he was always obsessed with you know, weapons and knives and things like that, you know, guns and all that. He'd make uh, guns out of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And one day, he climbed up on top of the counter and grabbed the big butcher knife down, and he was running around the house with it. It was crazy. Imagine me trying to run after him, you know, <laughs> tripping over everything. Oh my goodness. He's a fencer now, by the way. It's all about uh, channeling those interests. <laughs> 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 
Um, and my youngest guy, he was a regular Houdini. He used to uh, escape from the house all the time. He learned how to do all those child locks, and my husband would have to run, out, run, run after the street, run down the street after him. Oh, whew, it just kind of stresses me out thinking about it again, uh, reliving the moment. But um, yeah, I think some people would say that being the blind mom of three boys is an impossible mission. Um, I'm excited to share with you today uh, another impossible mission uh, from, from the Old Testament. It's the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. I picked this because uh, it's one of my boys' favorite stories. My boys love secret mission, battle, agent, anything. And I learned pretty quick, if I want them to do a chore, if I disguise it as a secret mission, they'll do it. Right? And it doesn't help that my husband is a former Marine and a former cop, too. I mean, we don't even talk normal in our house. You guys say words like start and stop and hurry up. We say engage, abort, <laughs> accelerate. Accelerate, accelerate. It's time to go to church. Accelerate. <laughs> All right, so let us engage and start with our story here. Um, I have to give you a little bit of background. Uh, there were actually two missions into the Promised Land. The first one was headed up by a guy named Moses, and um, he did successfully bring the Israelites out of bondage uh, in Egypt. God made this amazing miracle and crossed the Red Sea for them, and they came into the, the desert, um, and before they went into the Promised Land, Moses sent out 12 spies to check it out. And the 12 spies came back and they gave a report. And uh, they said, you know, there's good news and bad news. The good news is it truly is a wonderful land of milk and honey. It's really beautiful there. It's awesome, just like God promised. However, the bad news is that it is filled with these, these terrifying giants and these fortified cities. And, and, and we just feel like we're just completely going to be we're going to be killed. We're going to die. It's like suicide to go in there. And it doesn't matter what God is telling us. We think that we should just call it a day and go back to Egypt. Now, they did not accept the mission. They were, they were uh, overwhelmed with the, the circumstances. And they were, their hearts were gripped with fear. And they were not able to remember uh, the miracles that, that God had done to bring them out of Egypt, particularly the Red Sea parting. And as a result, they did not accept the mission. And the majority of, um, of them, uh, not only did they wander around in the desert for 40 years, but the majority of the adult men died. Only two of those men were spared. And it was two of the 12 spies that actually wanted to go into the Promised Land. And their names were Joshua and Caleb. And we're going to pick up the story now. This is mission, uh, mission Impossible attempt number two. And God is calling Joshua to be the leader this time. Um, there's a bunch of scripture in your handout. I'm going to read the first passage, starting in Joshua 1. The rest of it is for your reference. Why don't you read along with me in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, your mission, Joshua, if you choose to accept it, I had to put it in there for you, Mission Impossible fans, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. This burning bush will self-destruct in 10 seconds. <laughs> OK. So um, God is briefing Joshua on the mission. And um, it's beautiful, isn't it? He's, he's uh, casting the vision of um, the plan to go into the promised land. He's making all these promises to him. He's saying that he wants to keep his promises. But if you kind of read between the lines, something else emerges here, which was sort of an aha to me. He is defining the roles and responsibilities and giving a list of the terms and conditions of the mission. God is saying, you know, it's, it's my job to set up the mission. You know, I'm the one that determines the what and the why and the how. Your job is to say yes, to follow orders, to be strong and courageous, to, to have faith, to have faith. And it's, it's your job to, to, to trust me and to be strong. And you know, that was sort of an aha for me because I don't know about you, but I like to set up my own missions. Okay? I'm all about my own agenda. Right? But what this is showing us is that um, God has amazing plans for us. I mean, he says uh, that his plans are to prosper us and not to harm us. And he invites us into these, into these plans. He invites us to journey with him. So Joshua accepts the mission. And he knows that his first obstacle is going to be the great walled city of Jericho, which, lied, which lay on the other side of the Jordan River for where the Israelites are camped out right now. Um, so he sends out some spies to go check it out. Now, when I say walled city of Jericho, I don't want you to be thinking about some cute little Cinderella castle with a moat, okay? Archaeologists say that this was really um, an impregnable fortress of a city. It was built up on a 20-foot embankment. That embankment was uh, fortified with stone. And then from there, the walls went up. They were 14 feet thick, so thick that people actually lived within the walls. And those walls went up all the way, possibly 30 feet. And, and toward the top, they would slope upward. So it was really quite, quite a, a, a fortress of a city. And I think Joshua sent the spies out to, uh, to Jericho because he wanted to start thinking about what his plan of attack was going to be. So the, the spies get to Jericho, and they hit a little bit of a snafu. The king finds out that they're there, and they end up hiding out at a woman's house. Her name is Rahab, and she's a prostitute. And she tells them some very interesting intelligence. She says, look, we heard about you guys, you Israelites that came out of Egypt. And can I tell you, we're scared of you. We heard about your God and how he parted the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh's arm, army. And you know what? The more I think about it, I think that your God might be the one true God of heaven and earth. And because of that, I'm going to help you and hide you. And in return, please save uh, my family and I when you come and conquer the city. So the spies make the deal, and they come back. Now, remember, um, I, as, I, as I walk through kind of the, the Joshua Jericho story, I want to I, I build a contrast of Moses' cruise mission versus Joshua's cruise mission. And here's, here's a point of contrast. So the spies come back. And rather than being um, fearful of what they saw, they were encouraged because they saw that God had already gone before them. God had gone before them and struck fear into the hearts of the, of the, uh, of the uh, people that lived in Jericho. Um, and I imagine that, uh, that Joshua's faith was really strengthened at this point to know that God has a plan. And he already set it in motion. You know, he already set it in motion. It's like there's, there's already a momentum that's building. 
So Joshua takes his crew and they cross the Jordan River. And again, an interesting similarity to Moses' crew. Now remember, um, the majority of the people who actually crossed the Red Sea with Moses are now gone. This is the, the next generation. And I think it's wonderful that God gives them uh, a Red Sea of their own. He, 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 he splits the waters of the Jordan just like he does the Red Sea. And Joshua's crew goes across on dry land. And it's almost like he gives them a miracle to anchor their faith in for the next part of the mission, which, by the way, is what he did for Moses as well. But this time, on the other side of the Jordan, he tells the uh, Israelites, I want you to pull a bunch of stones out of the Jordan River and build a memorial. And he commands them, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember what I just brought you through. And I think he does that because that was one of the weaknesses of Moses' crew in the first mission. They forgot. They had really short-term memories. They were, they were rattled by the, by the current circumstances. And they forgot what God had done for them. So now we are on the other side of the Jordan River. Um, and God finally, finally gives Joshua, and I'm sure he was just dying to hear this, the tactical strategy for attacking the city. So Joshua, this is what we're going to do. I want you to put the priests and the trumpet players up in the front. And then I want you to put the army in the back. And every day, for six days, I want you to march around the, the, uh, the Jericho uh, once. Once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And after the seventh time, when the trumpets blast, I want everyone to cry out, and all the walls will collapse. OK. I have to be honest. If I were Joshua, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, Lord. I know you're the master of the universe and all that, but um, I thought this was going to be a military exercise and not a marching band exercise. <laughs> right? I was in the marching band in high school. We never got any respect from anybody. <laughs> and have you, any of you relate? <laughs> but you have to understand, Joshua was a very well-trained infantryman. All right, he would have known uh, how to attack a city like this. In ancient times, um, they would take cities like this by siege. And they wouldn't just march around. No, no, no. They would attack the city. They would assault the city. They would weaken the walls with fire or bore tunnels through the walls. They would mound up heaps of dirt to get to the top of the walls. They would do something. So this plan of marching was quite unconventional. And I would like to say that um, sometimes when we follow God, he's going to ask us to do things that are counterintuitive. Because I'm sure this was a very counterintuitive strategy for Joshua. You know, Jesus says, um, love your enemies. Love your enemies. That's, that's quite counter, counter, counterintuitive, isn't it? How do we love our enemies? And it's countercultural as well. Um, and sometimes God is going to ask us to do things that seemed downright foolish. I'm sure the plan seemed absolutely foolish and ridiculous to Joshua. But God says that, you know, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. I need you to trust me. And I think that's why he kept telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. Because it's so easy when we get overwhelmed by our circumstances to kind of do things our own way, right? Default to, to our own thinking or, or the way that our culture thinks. Joshua was strong and courageous, and he stuck to the plan. He took his army out there. They marched around once a day for six days. And I want to point out here that sometimes we have to wait on God, don't we? 
We wait on God. And as we wait, it may feel like we're going in circles. It may go, feel like we're going in circles. Why did God make them do it for seven days? Right? I mean, he could have just brought the walls down the first day, but no, he, he tells them to do it for seven days. And I think it's because he wanted to, to build their faith. He wanted to show them, my promises are true. You obey me, and I'm going to deliver. So on the seventh day, Joshua gets out there, and after the seventh time around, the trumpets blast, and what happens? Say it with me if you know. The walls came tumbling down. The walls came tumbling down. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. I had some fun uh, looking up some of the archaeological evidence of Jericho and the battle. And um, it's fascinating how there is actually quite a bit of scientific data. And I wish I had more time to go through that with you guys. But what I find even more fascinating is Joshua's immovable resolve to obey. Right? I mean, despite all the, the, the obstacles and maybe all the, the, the thoughts that were going through his head or maybe some of his advisors were telling him he was crazy, his obedience is the evidence of his faith. His obedience is the evidence of his faith. It's almost like his obedience put him in alignment with God, and God was able to use him as a conduit you know, for, for his power, his great supernatural power. I think sometimes we forget how powerful God is. Right? He, um, he, he, this is the same God that, that resurrected Jesus from the grave. Amen? I can't see you, so let me hear you. <laughs> Don't be afraid. <laughs> right, God. Yeah, what power God has. And it's almost like we just have to get out of the way, right? We have to be in tune with him. And, and that's what obedience does. That's what faith does. Faith says, you know, it's confidence in what we hope for. This is in your handout, um, Hebrews 11.1. It's um, assurance about what we cannot see. Yes, Lord, I hear your promises, and I believe in you. And I'm going to obey you, because if we say we believe, we need to act on that belief, and we're going to obey. All right, if we did a postmortem now of Moses' crew and Joshua's crew, I'm going to put this up on the board. We have some very interesting, contrasting, what I would call faith equations. Okay? Moses' crew did not accept the mission, because they responded to the mission with fear. They got caught up in the, the circumstances, forgot how God had delivered them in the past. And as a, as, a, as a result, they were disobedient. They did not experience God's power, and they wandered in the wilderness. Whereas Joshua's crew was a different, a different outcome. They responded to the mission with faith. With faith. They, they, they gave that faith legs, and they obeyed. And as a result, they were able to experience God's power and ultimately victory. A friend of mine once told me, we can't limit God, but we can limit how we experience God. Right? We can't limit God, but we can limit how we experience God. Do you guys know what FOMO is, F-O-M-O? -O? It's a new term that I learned recently, and I, I feel so hip because I know like, this cool term. <laughs> Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. And I have FOMO. This is why I can't say no to a social invitation ever. But you know, it makes me think, you know, those of us, um, when we walk away from the Lord or you know, we're not in his will, we know we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing, and we're just, and we're, maybe we're um, trying to do some things, something our way. Um, and maybe some of us who don't know the Lord at all, um, it makes me wonder, what am I missing out on? 
What am I missing out on? If you look in your handout, um, Jesus said in Luke 18, 27, the things that are impossible with man are possible for God. And that God is alive and well today. And you know, he, he's inviting all of us to journey with him, to come in, to, to, to see what kind of adventures and missions we can have together. He wants to do amazing things in your life, but it's your choice. It's not gonna, it's not gonna drag you um, kicking and screaming into the promised land. He didn't do that to Moses' crew. He's not going to do it to us. So in the time that we have left, I just want to put up some um, points as we reflect on how we can interact with, with this amazing story of Joshua and Jericho. And my first point, I'll put it up now, is embrace the mission. Embrace the mission. Is God calling you to a mission? For some of you, maybe the mission today is um, an invitation to get better acquainted with him. Maybe um, what he's saying to you is, you know, I got a plan for you and a purpose, and I want to know you. I want you to know me. Seek me, and you'll find me, and come and see. Come and see what I have for you. For others um, of us who might be um, already traveling on a journey of faith with the Lord, you know, maybe the mission he's calling you to is uh, something that's going to stretch you a little bit. Maybe it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's going to seem a little risky, a little foolish. Uh, maybe even impossible. And then for others yet, uh, maybe you know exactly what your mission is and you feel like you're in the throes of it, but perhaps you are discouraged. Perhaps you are, um, you know, you lost your zeal for, your, for the mission or you're just overwhelmed with the current circumstances. You know, I, um, I understand discouragement. Um, being a, a blind mom of three crazy kids, uh, I joke about having to keep them alive before, but I've had some pretty close calls. Once, I'll share with you the story, uh, a little boy, three years old, through a freak accident, uh, fell down an elevator shaft. And for about five seconds, I was the only one on the scene. And I'll put your mind at ease right now, he was fine, he was fine. But for those five seconds, the longest five seconds of my life, um, he was screaming. And I had my finger on the button and if I could see, I would be able to tell very easily, because the, the door in front of me was glass, and I would have been able to see him at the bottom of the shaft there. I would have been able to see that he was fine. But he was screaming, so I didn't know if he was being crushed. I didn't know what was going on. Do I push the button? Do I not push the button? I didn't know what to do. And it really spooked me. It spooked me really badly, because what was I thinking? I mean, I, I, I can't see. How can I take care of little kids? This is ridiculous. It's, it's a stupid idea. It's dangerous. It's irresponsible. I, I, I was this close to hiring you know, help at home, and maybe my kids are way better off you know, and going back to work. But God says no. He says, um, Joshua 1.9, I'll put it up. He says yet again, I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Don't be discouraged, Alex. I called you for a reason. I made you a mom for a reason. Those of you today that are discouraged, don't be discouraged. If God called you to something, he did it for a reason, and you're the perfect person for the job, even if you don't think you're the person, perfect person for the job. We can embrace our missions with confidence because he, he has a plan, he keeps his promises, and he's going to be our strength. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. All right, as we go about our missions, um, there may be a time where we're tempted to just do it our own way. You know, maybe we're tired of waiting around for God to show up. Maybe we feel like we're going in circles. 
But maybe we're in that fifth, sixth day at Jericho, and we don't know it. You know, God is getting ready to do something. He's going to come and rescue you, and he just wants you to hang in there with him. You know, stay with him. Stay with him. And if I were to use secret agent lingo, I'm going to put up this point, number two, don't go dark. All right? Don't, don't go rogue on God. You ever see, you guys watch that, that, that show 24 with uh, Kiefer Sutherland and, and that, that, that agent? Every other episode, he's going dark, right? They're like, oh, my gosh, he went dark again. <laughs> oh, no. You know, he cuts off communications from mission control. He takes things into his own hands. Do you guys go dark? I go dark a lot as a mom. Okay? I'm a yeller. And um, sometimes the kids frustrate me so much, I will throw a full-on tantrum. It is so <laughs> ugly. And my husband has to interrupt me and put me in a mommy timeout. <laughs> you know, and then we'll do the deep debrief. He'll say, way to go. That was just a great way to be a wonderful example. Good job, mom. <laughs> we do damage when we go dark, don't we? Um, we do damage when we go dark. What would have happened if Joshua had gone dark, I wonder? You know, maybe the entire mission would have failed. But the good news is whether we go dark for a day, for a season, and, and you know, some of us might have, have, might have stepped away from God for a while in our lives, and maybe we're finding our way back now. I mean, I encourage you to continue to move toward him. You know, God, God wants us out of darkness into the light. And Rahab... Rahab, in this story, I do want to say a few things about her. She, she represents the invitation to any of us who are not walking with the Lord now to come into the light. She's really the true heroine of this story, if you ask me, because she hears about God, she believes, her faith saves her, but then the course of her entire life has changed because God is so gracious. You know, it didn't matter that she was, she was a prostitute. You know, God says it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what your past is. I want you out of darkness into my family. And she ends up being grafted into the lineage, the direct genealogy of Jesus. Amen. Huh? Amen. Yeah. Don't go dark. Hang in there. God says, stay with me. You know, I want to do amazing things, but you've got to stay with me. you got to complete the mission. Complete the mission. Don't focus on what your culture says or, or don't, don't, don't worry about the giants that are so scary in front of you right now. Think about what I've done. Think about how faithful I'm on. I am. Stay with me. He says, stay with me. You know, um, life is hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a marathon. It's like a series of missions, right? We never, we never retire. We finish one mission, we got to look for the next one. And um, not all of them go well. And sometimes we don't really understand um, the purpose of the mission at all. And maybe sometimes we feel like headquarters had some kind of clerical error and you've gotten assigned to too many impossible missions at the same time. And maybe some of you feel that way today. Maybe you are just at your rope's end. And I know how that feels too. Um, in 2009, my, my dear mom, I miss her so much, she passed away. She had Alzheimer's for 12 years, never knew her grandchildren. The next year I had some major health issues and had to go through a year of cancer treatment and all the while losing the last little bit of sight that I had left. And it was not fun. It was uncomfortable. It was painful, you know? I didn't understand, Lord, this is too much. You've given me too much. But he says, my child, be strong and courageous. It's going to be OK. With me, you will always have peace. I will be your strength. And besides, I care, care way more about your character than your comfort. 
Because you see, every mission is different, isn't it? We all have different missions, but the goal of each mission is the same, and that is for us to become more and more like Christ and to make him famous. And sometimes the mission is simply to endure, simply to endure and to build perseverance, to build our faith. We can come out on the other side stronger, wiser, and with more faith. You know, God doesn't measure the success of a mission by how much money you made or how much fun you had. He says, how much more did you grow into my son's image? James 1, 2 to 4, I'll put it up. It's my last verse. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials and missions of many kinds, because we know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, making you mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know, with the Lord, we can, we can choose joy. We can choose joy. And as I like to say, my last point, we can keep calm and choose joy. Do you guys know that uh, keep calm and carry on slogan that's really taken a, it's, it's got, gotten a lot of traction in the last few years. And there's all those t-shirts, you know, it's like keep calm and fill in the blank. Keep calm and kill zombies. Right? My, my son has one that says, keep calm and eat bacon. Right? But the funniest spoof I saw was, freak out and fall apart. <laughs> right? Isn't that funny? But to be honest, I, that's how I feel sometimes. I just want to freak out and fall apart. Right? Life is hard. Life is hard. But God says, no, you don't have to freak out and fall apart. He says, my son died for you. I've, he's already accomplished the the, the most impossible mission of all, by dying for our sins, by overcoming death. He wants us to know him. He says, it doesn't matter where you are in that journey of faith. If you're just starting out, or if you're in the, if you're in the trenches with me, he says, we can keep calm and choose joy. We can, we can overcome even the most impossible missions because we know that with God, the giver of peace, of life, of faith, his unfailing love, we know that with God, all things are possible. All right, in a minute, the um, ushers are going to come up and we'll do our tithes and offerings, but the band is going to play um, a reflective song afterward. And I just invite you all to do business with God. Ask him, what is your mission? Where is he leading you to? What amazing things is he, does he want you to experience with him? Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for um, your unfailing love and how um, impossible things are possible in your name, Lord. And you invite us, Lord, to step into a journey with you. And you don't promise that it's going to be easy. You promise we have to have faith, but we can expect great things from you, Lord. And thank you for the example of your son who let us, let us walk in his footsteps that, to embrace the mission, to, to not go dark, to, to complete the mission, Lord, to stay with you and to choose joy no matter what our circumstances, because we know that you will be our strength. All this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.